0: Open up your Bibles. If you haven't gotten there, I don't know if I told you the chapter, Exodus in the 19th chapter. Uh, last week, we talked about, uh, uh, we, we read out of John 17, the prayer of Jesus. Um, that, that is up on the podcast. And I said last week, and I'm going to say it again this week, um, that if you're new to this house, I want to encourage you to listen to the series, Kingdom of Priests. Because it's, it's the revelation that the house is built upon. And you'll understand more clearly, why do we do what we do? What would motivate a, a people to give themselves to daily prayer sets and wanting to do more? Like, what is that? What's that about? And that, that uh, series unpacks a lot of those things. And it's a, it's a real clear revelation of our call to be a priest unto the Lord. So we even talk about that a little bit this morning. And this morning, I'm starting a new series uh, titled Behold. And uh, what I hope to do today is uh, to convince you via scripture that the way that you and I are transformed is by beholding Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down. Um, I I want to replace the word try with behold. (laughs) Our, our inclination, I believe, and in, in, my, in myself uh, and uh, walking alongside of, of so many others over the years of, of walking with the Lord of people that uh, have a desire to go after God, uh, a desire to grow, a desire to uh, develop the gifts in their life, all the wonderful and beautiful desires of a, of a newborn heart. What I often find is um, we, we resort or default to just trying harder to see transformation in our lives. We may not think that that's, that's the mode we've kicked into. Uh, we, may, we may know the scripture of how we're transformed, but oftentimes our reality or the expression of our faith looks like, man, I gotta read more, man, I gotta pray more, man, I gotta go to church more. And yes and amen to all of those things. Um, but not if they're if they're birthed out of a place of striving or trying harder, or that that somehow is the the you know the magic golden ticket to the transformation that God wants to bring about in your life. So hope today in your heart to at least begin the process, and throughout this series that we replace try with behold. If we do that even today, or even start that journey, uh, then this morning. Uh, message was successful. So I'm going to give you a few truths that um, that I'll, I hope to unpack through the message. What I'm going to do is, is uh, take us into Exodus 19 and look at how, how beholding uh, clearly begins there. Doesn't, doesn't mean that it began there, but it's clear for the body uh, of how God wanted to transform a people through beholding. And then I'm going to take us into the New Testament in 2 Corinthians and, and Paul talks about this same thing. He even reaches back into Exodus 19 uh, and we're going to look at how the New Testament uh, mirrors the same thing with the life of Jesus. Okay? And then we're going we're to wrap it up uh, with a response time. So you guys ready? <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Here's some statements that uh, I hope to uh, just set in your heart and then we'll unpack these. But discipleship begins with beholding. It begins with God, it begins with beholding. Discipleship begins with beholding. God designed to reveal himself in the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus is revealed primarily through the scriptures. The person of Jesus is revealed primarily through the scriptures. You don't have, you didn't get the short end of the stick. Because you weren't alive when Jesus was alive. Sometimes we think, man, I'd really believe if I walked with Jesus for three years and saw the miracles and saw you wouldn't believe more than you believe now. Because even the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus with his disciples takes the scriptures, which were, which was only the Old Testament, by the way. And he says, and he reveals himself, it says, from Moses to the prophets. That's how Jesus chose to reveal himself in his risen body to his disciples. It doesn't, does that not blow your mind that if Jesus was here today, he'd still be taking us through the scriptures. He'd still be doing the same thing. And so uh, there's even a story told by Jesus uh, with Lazarus in hell. And, and he's praying, man, send someone back. And Jesus says, even if someone raised from the dead comes back, they won't, if they don't believe Moses, they won't believe even if a risen person comes back to tell them the, to preach the gospel. And Jesus is telling us something that it's, it's, but his, he's revealed in his word. This word is eternal and it's full of life. He is the word. <clears throat> so. This is, this is the, the primary way that Jesus is revealed to us. And that is important in the coming days because there is a trend that I love Jesus, uh, but, the, but not so much the scriptures. And you, you don't have a Jesus without the scriptures. And we don't know about Jesus without the scriptures. We can't uh, know him unless he's revealed to us via the scriptures. So, and then God designed this age, you and I, to form a people who will become his companion. That's me. That's me. He wants a companion. We looked at this last week in John, the 17th chapter. We're gonna, I'm just going to pe- take a peek right back into it here in a second. But the, the last truth that I, I want to set on, on your heart is that we are called to become like him, not just act like him. Yes, God. But to become something. Now this is a new paradigm for many followers of Jesus is this is not behavior modification, but this is you being transformed, a whole new person. You have been made new, you are being made new and you will be made new. It's a continuous process of of being transformed into his image. And the reason you can be, continue to be made new is because you were made new. And you will, and it will be finalized in the days to come. You'll get a brand new body to go with it. Okay, so this is something that has happened, is happening, and will happen in its fullness and completion at the return of the Lord. And there are just tensions like that to be managed in the scriptures. You're like, what do you mean it is, or it was, it is, and it is to come? <laughs> it's, it's the kingdom. Not everything is just perfectly linear and works out, A, B, C, D. But the Lord says, you are a new creation. And he says, behold me and be transformed. But hold up. I thought I was a new creation. You are. And because you are, you can be transformed into his image because of the work that he's done through the cross. So we're called to become like him, not just act like him. But if you become like him, you will act like him. It's But that's where it starts. And so let me just clarify this. We are not called to become deity. That's not what I'm saying. our, Our character and our nature is to become just like Jesus's just like him his image and so god is committed to this process the father's committed to this the son is committed to this the holy spirit is committed to this and look at this what jesus prayed we looked at it last week but we need to look look back at it because this is this prayer of jesus we can all pretty much say this one's going to be answered right yeah. you think the father answers the prayers of jesus he does in case there's any question he does So, Father, this is Jesus praying the night before he's going to go to the cross. Father, I desire. This is the heart of Jesus being laid out before you and I. This is not like, hey Father, I'd really like a Big Mac. No, this is him laying his heart out. He's about to go to the cross. He's saying, Father, I desire that they also, talking about you, talking about the disciples of the day, whom you gave me may, may be with me where I am. I want a bride. I want a companion. I want a lover to be with me where I am. That's what he's saying. And he's crying out and he says that they may behold my glory. And he mentions here, you've, which you've given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous father. And so Jesus says, I want a bride to be with me where I am to behold my glory. And so we're gonna gonna look into this. This didn't just start with Jesus in the New Testament. This word uh, that they may may behold, and I, I might mess up the words a little bit, but this is a Greek word, theoreo. Say it with me, theoreo. Say it with some swag, theoreo, okay. It's to look at, this is when when Jesus says that they may behold. To look at, to view attentively, to perceive with the eyes, to enjoy the presence of one. To discern, to find out by seeing, to discover by careful observation. This is what Jesus is praying for, that his bride would, would draw near to him and be transformed by, by looking at him. Not by trying harder, but by beholding the most beautiful one. So we see this, the beginning of this in, in Exodus the 19th chapter, okay? Uh, this chapter, if you're probably familiar with some parts of this, and if not, it's okay. Um, but it's, this is where Moses and the Israelites had just come out of Egypt. I might blow your mind a little bit this morning, and I, I hope so. This was the first Pentecost. Let me prove it. So, what what God did, and and if and if you do do the uh, calculations, it's about it's fifty days after they were uh, freed of, uh, out of Egypt. And and what God says to Moses is. Uh, well, let's look at what he says because it's this beautiful proposal to the Israelites. Look with me in, in uh, first verses four through six. Listen to the intimate language that God is using toward the Israelites. He's telling this to Moses for Moses to tell to the people. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. When do we use covenant language? In marriage. This is a proposal of sorts to the Israelites. He says, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Sound familiar, Peter? These are the words which you shall, shall speak to the children of Israel. This is a proposal of sorts of, from the heart of God to his people. Saying, if, you, if you'll come near to me, I'm going to come near to you. If you'll, if you'll draw near to me, I want to make you my own special people. Does this sound like what we just read in John 17? I want a people that will come to me and that will behold my glory. Exodus 19, 11. Let them be ready for the third day. These these were the instructions to the Israelites. For on the third day, the Lord will come down to be with his people upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. This was and and is so far in history the, the greatest outpouring of the Spirit possible to the greatest amount of people at one time. Exodus nineteen sixteen. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the, in the camp trembled. Do you... Do you See the same language and scenario in Acts the second chapter when the, when the spirit of God was poured out and there was a, a shaking and it was like a, a, this loud wind and then fire comes upon the people. And we see later on here that fire, God came down in a fire upon the mountain, smokes rising up. This is first Pentecost where God wanted to, to draw his people to himself and reveal himself by beholding. The invitation was, come to me, behold me, Exodus 20. This was their response. Well, let me just point out something else at the end of of Exodus 19, because it sounds like a a contradiction. The people kind of sort of prepared themselves. And God is speaking with Moses, and he says, Moses, go down there and tell them, don't, don't come closer than we, than we already talked about, basically, and tell the, the priests to consecrate themselves. Well, he had already told them to do that. Why weren't they prepared? It doesn't come out and say it, but the implication is, is that they weren't taking this as seriously as they should have, and or they were only drawing near out of curiosity not not out of a heart to draw near, not out of gratitude for what he did, uh, getting them out of Egypt and, and you know, uh, parting the Red Sea and take, and killing all the Egyptians and giving them everything that they need. Not, not out of God, thank you, but out of, well, I, I wanna see what God's gonna do. And God's saying, I, I'm too holy for you to just have just a little bit of uh, curiosity, but you have no intention on on being with me. This is a proposal. And it's kind of like, they're like, maybe we'll see. Do you want to move on with a marriage like that? She, you get down on one knee. Would you be mine? Be my special treasure. Come unto me. And she goes, maybe, (laughs) maybe is a no. (laughs) If it ain't a yes, it's a no. And that's what they do, and, and, and God, out of his grace, says, Moses, go down there and tell them, if they get close and just draw, draw near to me, only out of curiosity or only half-heartedly, it will actually kill them, and I don't want that. And here's how they respond in Exodus 20. It says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashings, the flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you guys are probably familiar with this. You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Now I wish that that posture of the body of Christ had died that day, but it's still alive today. There's still an approach in the body of Christ of pastor, leader, life group leader, whatever it is, tell us what the Lord is saying. And that's not the heart of God for his people. It's not what he wants. And and why was God coming down in such a awful way? It's a, a, a awe-filled way. We'd say awful. Why is he coming down in such a... a, a you know, a trembling, uh, just it's kind of a scary way. I mean, it's loud, there's lightnings, there's flashings, there's thunderings, the mountain's shaking. And then part of us goes, yeah, I wouldn't wanna approach that mountain either. But you have to go back to what he said and what what God told Moses to say. He's saying, hey, I want you to be my special people. I want to draw near to you. I want you to draw near to me. I wanna bring you to myself. I'm going to come down. That ought to blow our minds. The, the God of all creation is coming down to his people to meet with them. And he's done the same thing in the life of Jesus. He came to us. He loves us. He's pursuing us. And he, and he says, and th- this, is, this, is, this was why he came down the way he did. They say, you go speak with God. We don't wanna speak with him lest we die. And Moses says to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. It sounds like it's a contradiction. He's saying, don't be afraid because God has come to set his fear before you, but they're not the same. Being afraid of God and having a awe or reverence Uh, of God are radically different. A, A fear of God, a healthy fear of God says, man, one day I'll stand before his loving fiery eyes and give account for my life. Holy Spirit help me. Being afraid of God says, I don't even wanna ask God what his will is lest he sends me to another nation where I don't wanna live. Like we're afraid of him. Or I don't want to get alone with God because I'm afraid of what he's going to say and what he's going to point out. That's being afraid of God. That's not what God wants. He wants us to draw near boldly with a heart of confidence that anything he says or does or leads is out of love and it's what's best for us. So the people, verse 21, stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. So we must gaze at God together, not just send a Moses off to do it for us. The body of Christ, you and I will not become what God's called us to become if someone only someone else tells us what God is saying all the time. If it's only through a podcast, if it's only through a Sunday morning service, if it's only through, you know, what someone else is saying or doing You and I have to get before him and gaze upon him ourselves because transformation is the goal. Let me say it this way. God did not become a man to make your life better. He came to make you like himself. He came to to transform you and I to look like Jesus, to be his body on the earth led by him. He's the head, make no mistake. So now we've looked at, at Exodus. Uh, maybe you're not convinced that that was the first Pentecost. I don't care. That was just a little cool side note, in my opinion. Um, and I could give a lot more reasons why. But and it, that's, that's what God wanted to come down. He's pouring out his spirit. He wanted to meet with his people. But his people want, didn't want to meet up with that God that way. God still is gracious toward them. God still continues to try to woo them. But we know, if you know the end of the story, he has to wait for that generation to die off because they they won't step into a relationship with God. They'll only interact with God through a Moses. So 2 Corinthians, now Paul reaches back to to Exodus and he's he's contrasting now in the same way uh, that Moses came down from the mountain and his face shone He's saying that was a ministry of condemnation. Now the ministry of glory through the life of Jesus, man, that, that will that's much more glorious and will remain, will remain forever. Look at verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So he's referring to, um, l- let me just read it. 2 Corinthians 3. I don't have all this on the screen. So if you can go to 2 Corinthians 3, it's worth us reading this this morning and getting the full picture. I'm going to start in verse seven. Just get there as quick as you can. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, is talking about the law and talking about Mount Sinai, I'm talking about Moses, if that was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. This is a work of the Holy Spirit abiding in you and I. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, verse 13, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So he's saying, we have great boldness. We don't put a veil over what God's doing. Moses did because their minds were blinded. And for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away by Christ in Christ. that veil represents a blindness to who God is, a blindness to, to the way that God wants to move in our lives, a blindness to Jesus revealed in the scriptures. Unless we turn to Jesus, that blindness continues. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all body of Christ, you and me right now with unveiled face that's born again, made new, new creation, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed, metamorphosized like a butterfly in a cocoon, being constantly changed from glory to glory, step by step, brick by brick, precept upon precept into the same image of Jesus from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. I want you to replace, try with behold. If you have an area in your life, and we all do, whether it's, it's character, nature, receiving the love of God for yourself, an area that, you know, the Holy Spirit has brought to the surface in your life. Think about one right now. Holy Spirit, just bring it to the surface. What's the area you're wanting to uh, transform? Then what you wanna do is look into the life of Jesus and behold him in that area. So if you struggle, and this is uh, a big one for a lot of people, we understand the love of God. We can believe the love of God for other people. But as for me and myself, I struggle receiving the love of God. If that's an issue in your life, then you wanna behold the loving God. Behold him in scripture as he's revealed in, in, in loving you. Behold uh, him as he says things like, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. You are the apple of my eye. Behold him going to the cross for you. Behold him, slow down and behold the loving God who loves you and be transformed as you behold him. Another cool aspect that we see in the life of Jesus, of Jesus basically taking this Mount Sinai encounter of Moses and we know that Jesus goes on a mountain with three of his disciples called the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm not, we're not going to look at this. I'm just making mention of it. And it's in Matthew 17, if you want to look at it. But Jesus is transformed. And it says that his face and clothing shone like the sun. Jesus is a better Moses. And, and God takes Jesus up. And Jesus is, is the life he lives is the, is the life that we're called to live not to be God and be deity, but Jesus came as a man and he was transformed, even himself by beholding the father. In the same way that Moses was transformed at the, mount, at the top of the mountain, Jesus goes and goes to this transfiguration and, and it's the same language used that, on this mountain of transfiguration, that he was transformed by beholding Jesus himself. Now, he was already God, but he was modeling something for his disciples and revealing to us. And then we know on that mountain, this is wild, Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter's like, hey, it's a great day. It's a great day. We got Jesus. We got Moses. We got Elijah. I should just, we should just build, uh, you know, little monuments for all three of you. And God the Father steps in and says, no, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. He interrupts Peter, and the Father saying, "Make no mistake. Jesus is not like Moses. Jesus is the better Moses. Moses's life was a type and shadow, pointing to the greater one. And now we look into the face that shines." Second Peter refers to this in, in, in this this Mount of Transfiguration. It says that. Uh, we we saw his majesty and his glory. We're called to become like him, not just act like him. And becoming like him produces the fruit of the spirit. I want us to replace try with that. That's all right. We're gonna have to get back at that and do that again a little bit better. Okay. Second Corinthians four. Y'all pray for the air conditioner in this building, y'all turn this thing on at like midnight. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. I'm just, I'm just building a case now of how we're transformed by beholding the Lord. The priestly blessing. I want you to look at Numbers the 6th chapter. You probably have heard this. What's interesting about this blessing that was given to the priests, and you are priests unto the Lord now. He's made you a king, made you kings and priests unto God. Is what Revelation says. Peter says the same thing. Now we're a holy nation. The same language God used for the for the Israelites that of the invitation to the them to come to Mount Sinai is the same exact language that's used for the New Testament believers who now come to Jesus. And the Spirit is poured out, we know. And there's, there's, there's like a, a loud shaking, like it's thunderous, and there's fire. And the Spirit's poured out, and God is starting to draw his people to himself. But Numbers is, a, is actually a blessing that's directly given from God. So that, that's an important one, wouldn't you say? The, the priests of the day that, would, that got this blessing... These were the Levites. They were the only people of Israel that had the authority to command a blessing over the people. Now, remember, you're a priest. So as I say these things, connect the dots. The, The Levites who were priests unto the Lord were the only ones that had the authority to pronounce a blessing over the people. And when they were done ministering to the Lord, they would always recite this blessing. You probably have heard it. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons. These were the the priests. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so that they shall Put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This is the same language. It's the same language God used with the Israelites at Sinai. It's the same language uh, Jesus uses with his New Testament believers. And and it's the same language he's using in his prayer to the Father. Father, I want a people that will come and behold my glory. that will see my face, that the countenance of my face will shine upon them. It's the same language. Nothing has changed in the heart of God. He's calling us to himself. And he says, before there was only a, a certain group of people that could priest unto me. Now you followers of mine, you, we are a kingdom of priests that can all approach the mountain. And if we don't, we die. We die in the desert. We, God has to wait for the next generation that will approach him so they can be transformed in his image and become what he's called them to, to become and work through them because they've become something that they couldn't become any other way. So it doesn't just matter that the leadership of your church you respect and you adore and you think, if, if, if any of you thinks that I hear from God, I think that's awesome. I think it's, I hope. That there's a confidence there. But there needs to be a growing confidence that all of us can and are called to approach the Lord ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't need leadership. But the, but the leadership in the body was never meant to behold for you. That's not the role of leadership. And if, if you aren't beholding yourself and beholding corporately, the, the the invitation to the Israelites was to behold the Lord together. It's still the invitation to the church today. This individualism is, is just crippling the church. That it's just me and Jesus, and I, I'm, there's no real body that I'm accountable to or connected to. It's, it's not the way the Lord's moving. I'm sorry. It's just not the way he's moving. It's he's he says when he teaches us how to pray, our Father. Why didn't he just say, when you pray, when you pray, say my father, because right from the get go, he's saying, guys, I've called you into a family. There are no lone rangers that, that become what God's called them to become in the body of Christ. It doesn't work that way. Your body doesn't work that way. Dislocate one of your fingers and see how well it works. Even worse, cut it off and see how easy it is to put it back on. It's dangerous to not receive the invitation to behold the Lord. Beholding is serious. It's it's inevitable that if, if you and I don't receive the invitation to approach the mountain ourselves, that we will drift away and worship idols. Nobody's more powerful than the ways of God. You you don't beat the system just because you have a good heart. We are called together to, to behold his glory. Yes, individually. Yes, you have a secret place. Yes, you behold him. And you do this together corporately with the body of Christ. And that's why we can, we can bless each other. I want to give you a, a couple definitions here because I'm, I'm into definitions here lately, guys. Hopefully, uh, you're like, oh, wow. Get some new, new words today uh, like you did last week. So there's a, there's a word here. At the end of this blessing, it says, it says, you know, Lord, make your face shine upon us that his countenance would be upon us and give us peace so that, so they shall put my name. So, so they shall put. Is, is the word sum, it's a Hebrew word, and it means to transform into. He's saying the same thing. I, we pray the blessing of beholding over the people of God so they can be transformed into my name. What's my name? My nature and character. It hasn't changed. It's the same, the same blessing that God wrote and told the Israelites, the, the Levites, the priests, pronounce this blessing every day over the people of God. This is the blessing that God wants for the people. I pray, it sounds like the Ephesians 1, 17-18 prayer of Paul as well. He, he, this, this blessing is, I pray that you would behold the Lord, that his face would shine upon you. And you would be transformed into his nature and character. That you would assume you, that that, that it, his name would be put upon you into his nature and his character. It goes all the way back to the Israelites in, in the Old Testament. Paul said said this that we read it, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory. James draws from that same language in James one, twenty one to twenty five therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. This is speaking to followers of Jesus, not the bad people out out there. This is speaking to us. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. It's the same language when God says to the Israelites and says to Moses to the Israelites, consecrate yourselves. Take me seriously. When you approach me, Don't do it flippantly, and don't just do it to to just see. Don't give me a maybe. Commit to me. Say yes to me. Lay aside all filthiness. Turn from everything and turn to me. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. I'm going to give you a definition that I hope will forever change the scripture for you and make it life-giving. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word only and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I heard a preacher giving an an example of this, and I it helped me to understand the scripture better than I ever had before. He said one time he was, he was at a hotel. He was on vacation with his family. He'd gotten up early that morning, and uh, he was going. He had his Bible under under his arm, and he was going to spend some time with Jesus. And the sun was just coming up, and there was another guy coming in who had just coming in from partying all night. Kind of stumbled in, and and he's just like, "Hey, man, another you know another day of partying." And and this guy's like. Well, yeah, you know, actually I used to live that life, but now I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm actually gonna go spend some time with him right now. And the guy immediately is like, oh, praise God, bless God. Man, yeah, man, I'm a follower of Jesus too. He had forgotten who he was. Yes, there's, there's a time in his life or there's a place in his life where he's looked in the mirror and he's seen who he is. He's a follower of Jesus, but he walked away and forgot who he was and was living outside of who he's called to be. And we are not just to to just look into scripture for life hacks. We are to look into scripture to see Jesus until we see it like a mirror and we become what we behold. And, And we receive the implanted word. This is a history book, but it's not just a history book. This is a book of information, but it's not just a book of information. You can open the pages, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal the Lord to your heart. And so we're dependent on Holy Spirit, but make no mistake, Holy Spirit is fully committed to you to this end, to transform us into the image of Jesus. So here's the word that, I, I, that changes this for me. Because when I, this sounds kind of dry and legalistic. Don't be a hearer only, be a doer. And that, uh, that, that word try just comes right in. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a doer. <laughs> I'm gonna try really hard. But listen to the word, the definition of doer. Poetas. Poetas. a poem, a poet, a maker, a producer, an author, a performer, one who obeys. What I wanna submit to you is that just like music, music has timing, music has frames, and music has a certain set of notes. These guys aren't creating new notes. There's already a framework to work with, but within that framework, there's been millions of songs. And and, and what the Lord is saying here is, Yes, I've I've set a framework for you to love me. But you get to write the song. You are a doer of the word, the way you love me is unique than anyone else loves me. You write your own you're the poet, you're the author. Yes, there's 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 writing rules and, and and ways that we can communicate with each other because there are ways that we structure sentences, but within that structure, be a doer, sing, write, live, love your family, express your love for me. You do it in in a way that's come out of your heart that's unique from you to me. You're the poet, you're the singer. And I'm not just trying to get creative on you. I'm giving the definition that God is saying, Don't just hear it, but as you hear it and as you behold, there's gonna be a beautiful expression of of love from your heart to God. And not just only the prescribed one, two, three. Read my Bible, check. Prayed, check. Worshiped with two songs, check. But love is like always looking for a way, always looking for a place always thinking of ways we could bless God. And and maybe you haven't even started interacting with God that way, but there's an invitation to do that. So here's how we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to respond. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We first need to be honest with ourselves and with God. If there are lesser lovers, if you've given God a maybe or a we'll see, or maybe later. Lay aside all filthiness, all overflow of wickedness. Lay it aside, turn from it because the Lord loves you and he's calling you out of it. And so right now, would you just take a moment? Don't ask yourself, don't go into personal introspection. Say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I need to turn from? that I need to release, that I need to let go of. Consecrate yourselves unto him. Consecration is more of a wholehearted yes than it is this perfect status. It's the Lord, for, for just for an analogy, getting on a knee inviting you to be his special treasure. And you saying yes, with all your heart, not saying, yes, I've got it all lined out. Yes, my life's perfect. Yes, I won't ever make a mistake again. No, it's just a wholehearted. Yes, I'm yours. That's what consecration is. Yes, I'm yours. There's no back doors. I'm running out of God. There's no plan B. Only you have the words of life to whom else would we go? It's a wholehearted yes. Lay aside every other lesser lover that you've been flirting with. Consecrate yourselves and receive the implanted word. Receive what he wants to do in your heart. Receive him. He is eternal life. It's him. And here's how we can respond. Make space to be with God and his word, individually and corporately. And I I would just say, pick one of these that you feel like the Holy Spirit's highlighting. So make space individually and corporately. This may mean getting up an hour earlier before you go to work. I'm so thankful that the pastor that I was under as a new believer drilled into my heart that time with God at the beginning of the day, and this doesn't have to be the beginning of the day. It did in the church I used to go to for the most part, but, uh, but it, was, it was good for me to say, God, I'm giving you the first fruits of my day. My first job, I had to be there at six. I was 18 or 19 years old. I so said, Lord, Six is pretty early, but if you'll help me, I'm gonna spend 30 minutes with you in the morning before I start my day. And I had an old school stereo with big three foot speakers. Yeah, tape player. And I would set my alarm in the living room. I was living by myself so that it was as loud as it could go. So I jolt out of bed, like, like a fire was going off every morning and run into the living room and turn it off because I wanted to spend time with Jesus and his grace was sufficient to help me. I'm not lifting myself up. There was days I was late there was days. I missed it grace on all of us. I'm saying love finds a way, love sneaks away on, on a lunch break. Love, love, love finds a way to to make that call in in the middle of the day. Love says, you know what? I only need an hour and a half of sleep. Let's keep talking. (laughs) I got to work 12 hours tomorrow, but I don't care. I just want to hear your voice. I'm not saying we don't rest. We don't sleep. I'm not saying strive. I'm just saying make space. Secondly, very practical, pray and sing the scriptures. You might say, well, that's, that's really specific. It is because it helps us to get them into our heart. And if, if you want to memorize scripture, that is the best way. That's just the outcome of it. You don't even have to try to memorize. Start praying and singing the scriptures. And, and what it does is it helps you to take time to behold the Lord in and through his word and to receive the implanted word.